0: Williams at the tailback, they'll hand it off to Williams up the middle, 25, cuts it inside, 30, 35, 40, there goes Cadillac, to the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 15, 10, go crazy, Cadillac goes crazy, touchdown, now they can play a little safer, but they're not going to, Knicks is back, throws it downfield, Touch, touchdown, Williams, a 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper, he'll call to the place, he'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap in the place. There it is, the kick is up, the kick is good! Auburn wins! 22-19! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn Podcast. My name is Noble. As always, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler today we're kind of going to be talking about primarily the transfer portal we're going to give a little overview of how basketball is looking right now with some guys that we've landed some guys that we're still trying to you know navigate through uh and then we're going to go kind of transition to football talk about the departures the new additions all that good stuff uh but so let's we either let's kick it off let's talk about uh basketball with the addition of Walker Kessler, who was a former five-star player in the 2020 class, went to UNC, didn't really get the minutes that he wanted. He has transferred to Auburn. What are your thoughts about him and how he'll fit into this uh, this new team?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited about Kessler. He's got great size. Um, I think he's a little bit more athletic than uh, Austin Wiley was, who is – I mean, I guess the closest guy you could say to Kessler since Bruce has been there. Um, But, yeah, he's a real big guy. He didn't get a lot of minutes at UNC, and it really didn't make sense why he didn't get his minutes Um, because when he was in the game, he was very productive. Um, He has several highlight plays, moving up and down the floor well. Um, He's a five-star. It it was really a, a, a weird situation that, he didn't play very much. And then on his recruitment, you know, there were all the rumors of North Carolina showing up at his beach trip um, with his family trying to recruit him and then him stopping by Auburn on the way back. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is true and how much of that was just, you know, rumors that circulate uh, around recruiting circles, Um, but definitely somebody that North Carolina wanted to retain uh, someone that a lot of top programs wanted. And I think that that, I think you always, stars are important, but I think it's also important to see who else wanted this guy uh, because that's typically an indication about how good they are. And so Auburn was going against some pretty high-level competition um, to get Kessler. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I definitely think it'll help uh, Bruce's offense to have a big man. Uh, That's always been kind of a, Knock on Bruce's teams is that they haven't had uh, very effective big men. But when they have had effective big men, they haven't even been like Anthony Macklemore. You really saw how Bruce's offense is much more open when you have an effective big man. And he wasn't even, you know, that large, Uh, but he was able to play strong. They were able to feed the ball uh, to the paint, and that opened up three point shooters. So I think I'm excited about it. I'm also intrigued. Because Bruce came out and was uh, talking to a group of fans the other day. Um, I think it was in Birmingham. And he was saying that he's trying a new strategy for practice uh, where he's just having the guys go out there and play pickup ball, basically, for a couple of hours so that he can watch all the people in person, see what their game is like. Um, So I feel like Bruce, especially this year with the new transfer rules, I think everybody's just kind of adjusting. And he went and he found the best talent, I don't think that he necessarily had a style of play in mind because he wasn't able to see all these guys in person like he normally would because of COVID. Um, So I feel like he's almost like the mad scientist now, just sitting back and watching and seeing what the pieces are that he has, and then he's going to devise an offense to kind of go with that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he – kind of transitions this year as opposed to past years, because I think this year is definitely going to be more front court oriented, seeing as how you're going to have a former five-star in Kessler, you're going to have a, you know, top five player in Jabari Smith. Like those are guys that you're going to have to use, especially when your backcourt, you know, you know, according to 24 seven is not that good. And so you're going to have to use, you're going to have to use the talent that you have. But a thing that was just kind of confusing to me when I was when when Kessler committed, I made uh, I made a highlight video of like all of the stuff he did at UNC, and he played really well. That was the thing that confused me. When you look at the minutes that he plays, he does he like he always plays well, whether he gets a lot of minutes or not many. But the some of the stats that he puts up are really like he put up. Look at uh, in the ACC tournament. They played Notre Dame. It was a blowout. He played 21 minutes in that game. He scored 16 points, had 12 rebounds and eight blocks. That is an unreal stat line. That's an unreal stat line for any any amount of minutes played in college basketball. But 21 minutes really isn't even that much. And that was, I think, the second or third most minutes he had played all season. And that's really not much at all. I mean, for, for comparison, if you want to see, like, Babatunde Akinbola played more minutes at Auburn this year than Walker Kessler did at UNC. And honest and Babatunde wasn't even one of the first or second or third bigs kind of off the bench. So it's kind of you can see that's how little he played. Like Kessler did not play at UNC very often, but when he did play, he had a good impact. So I definitely think that he is going to be a guy that we're going to that we're going to enjoy watching. Uh uh-uh. But and I on. think a
1: lot of Auburn fans that I've talked to are excited. Um, the few fans that I've talked to that were not excited kept talking about how when Auburn had Austin Wiley, that the offense slowed down. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of turnovers. And, I mean, not to just crack on Austin Wiley, but a lot of the time the offense was working perfectly. The guy would get open, they'd feed him the ball, and he'd just drop it. Mm-hmm. And that's half your turnovers. And so, typically – feeding it down to the big man is the safe play. Um, And I'm hoping that Kessler will have better hands um, because if he does, I mean, that is a dangerous weapon that a lot of people don't see in today's basketball, but it's also something that a lot of teams can't defend in today's basketball. I mean, if you look even last year, Auburn was when they were playing Alabama, basically tried to go down low and we didn't have anywhere close to a dominant big guy, you know, but we did have taller guys than they did. So all these teams are starting to run the fun and gun, and that's, you know, great and all. But if you run a style that nobody else runs, then they can't really, you know, they're not built to defend it. So I'm excited to see this new look offense.
0: Well, yeah, and especially when you're playing teams in the SEC that want to shoot a bunch of threes. Like, you know, we mentioned Anthony McLemore. He was a good stretch big for Auburn. He was, what, 6'9"? So I mean that if that's your center, you got six nine going up against Walker Kessler, who's seven one, Jabari Smith, who's really six ten, six eleven. If JT Thor comes back and he's playing the three, he's another tall guy. So it causes a lot of matchup problems when you're front court heavy, especially in a league like the SEC that wants to shoot threes and play that style of basketball. So I definitely think that Kessler will create some matchup problems, and kind of create a different style of Auburn basketball than we've seen in the past.
1: And all of that size is athletic. None mm-hmm. of the guys that you just said are going to be galoofing down the court unable to go and defend the three. I mean, Kessler may have the, obviously the most difficult time getting down the court, but if you watch his highlights, it's not like he's not used to, you know, the size of his feet and that he just gets kind of stuck out on an island. Like, he's an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, Jabari is obviously an athlete. He's a top-ten yeah. player. So, yeah.
0: Well, and another thing with Kessler, this is kind of like the last thing I'll mention about him, is his he has really good length for a player of his mobility. And so you look at a guy, like I think it was the Notre Dame game, I think he had like two of his eight blocks were him blocking like jump shooters. It was like centers that like – went to shoot a mid-range shot, he jumps out and blocks him. Like well, That's a really difficult thing to do because, you know, ever since Kevin Durant started playing, a lot of people started doing kind of – a lot of taller guys started doing that because it's really difficult to block because not that many people are that tall. But Kessler is the kind of guy that, you know, he he has that instinct and he'll be able to block jump shots just as much as he can block people in the paint. So that's definitely something that uh, will be very helpful for the defensive end. Uh, but then the next addition that Auburn has is Desi Sills' transfer from Arkansas. Uh, he is a junior. He played a lot more last season than he did this season, which I think might be one of the main reasons why he is in the transfer or why he transferred. Uh, he averaged around 11 points on 31 minutes of game time. A uh, good three-point shooter, a guy that Auburn fans really didn't like when he played against Auburn because he always played really well. But either, what were your, you know, first thoughts and kind of your just reaction for Desi Seals committing?
1: Well, I was really excited to see that Desi was coming to Auburn um, for two reasons. One, at least once a year or twice a year, we wouldn't have to just get absolutely cooked by him. Uh, And secondly, I thought that he always fit into Bruce's offense more than he did into Eric Musselman's. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he and Musselman had a falling out or – Really, what the situation? I know that they had uh, was it Moses Malone, the guy that they had that kind of came in and took a lot of his minutes?
0: Moses Moody,
1: Moody. Sorry, okay. So, (laughs) Moses Moody comes in and takes all of his minutes, but it doesn't make sense. Everything that Arkansas did this year made no sense to me. I thought that two of their better players were sitting on the bench most of the time. Who was there's that other uh, Note, yeah, JD, plays for them, DJ that dude was better than like almost everybody that was in their starting lineup. Musselman's philosophy on how to play players makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I don't think I'm the only person that thinks this way. When you went and saw all of the Instagram posts and everything after Desi's transferring, all the Arkansas fans are basically like, yeah, good luck, man. Like we don't blame you for leaving when you're getting literally your minutes cut in half and you were our best player last year. Um, so I'm excited to have him. I think that he'll definitely flow much better in Bruce's offense, um, where he can be a little more free to, I don't want to say that Bruce plays street ball, but Bruce is not going to be frustrated with taking a good three point opportunity, even if you don't make it. Whereas I feel like muscle is more, I don't know, critical of every offensive possession that doesn't go well, where Bruce realizes that to be good on offense. You gotta just let it flow a little bit.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that is, and when you were kind of mentioning the street ball uh, in the practices, that's kind of a thing that you, you do kind of see transition into the way that Auburn plays the game. It's just kind of, you saw it with Jared. You really saw it with Javon and Samir too. You're starting to see it with Allen. It's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, it's a close game. Like I'm gonna score, you know? Like, you just kind of throw out, like, all the basketball things. And some teams are, like, in that kind of moment, they're, like, they get really technical. They try and, like, make every pass that they possibly can get a perfect shot. Whereas I think that Auburn's kind of mentality is, like, we're going to give it to our best player and he's going to score, you know. And that's why Sharif got the ball every time, you know, there was a close game situation when he was playing. And when he wasn't, it was Allen Flanagan. But that's kind of a thing where it's, like, my team needs a bucket. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to shoot it from where I can make it. And I think that that's something that players, especially shooters, really like about the Bruce Pearl
1: kind of offense and how Auburn plays. And I uh, think yes. fans a lot of times like to sound like they are super intelligent and say, oh, well, this is just street ball. This is ridiculous. But I think my the favorite commentary that I ever heard on it was during the NCAA tournament this year when Charles Barkley was talking about how so many college teams, he said, run the same five plays. He said they'll just run them from different sides of the court or they'll start it, you know, in a different place on the court. He said, but it's it's exactly five plays. And he said it's because colleges don't have as much time to run through. whole. I mean, they're not the NBA. You know, the NBA, first of all, you usually have years of these guys being inside of your program or it's their full-time job, whereas college players, I mean, you still got to work on shooting inside of practice because they've got class, they've got other stuff going on. Like, you can't jam as much into a college team. And so he was saying in the NBA, a lot of teams can have a lot more plays, whereas in college it's like five plays, and he said. Honestly, the best thing to do, he didn't say don't have plays, and Bruce clearly has plays, and he has inbounds and all this stuff. But having the freedom of movement, is something that he said he's seeing in a lot more teams that used to get knocked. But now it's kind of like, well, this is the way that the game is being played. You know, that's going to be the way that's going to get you the best look and trusting that your guys, I mean, that they can see what's happening on the court and that they can make their own cuts and that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to see kind of what happens when you mix such different talents and I mean honestly Auburn's roster is far from complete which I know you're probably about to get to with the transfer portal but yeah
0: yeah Uh, and just to kind of go into that you know you're looking this week you know we thought it was going to be today looks like it's going to be on Wednesday you've got KD Johnson who is a transfer from Georgia he will announce where he's going and this has been a super super quiet Kind of thing he entered the transfer portal like six days ago was gonna announce today gonna announce Wednesday Auburn was a guy you know they they offered him they wanted him but you know he ended up going to Georgia and he's one of the pretty much the entire roster that's leaving right now but he was on the SEC all freshman team averaged pretty much 14 points on 39% from three in 16 games so I mean he's definitely a guy that you would want to have uh and a guy that would definitely fit into Auburn's system. Uh, really well so either what are you kind of thinking about kD johnson
1: yeah i think that he's definitely um a talented guy um i always like when transfer portal guys are guys that we recruited out of high school um that way you have a pretty good idea of the guy you're getting you have a good relationship um i think that that's gonna be uh definitely a more common thing uh, i don't think the random transfer I think that maybe this year more than other years uh coaches will be more apt to just go with a guy who you know they see their film and they're like oh yeah he has good film I think now it's almost going to be like high school recruiting it's just extended um and you kind of go with your second or your third choice uh when a when a situation doesn't work out um I don't know if you saw did you hear the thing that Tom Crean said about him
0: Yeah, I did. That was weird.
1: It was a really weird situation. I don't know if Tom was just being salty, you know, that he's got nine guys transferring out of his program or what the deal with that was. But if I'm a Georgia fan, I mean, I'm just not – I'm not feeling good that I've got – my entire team is leaving and my coach is dissing his players after they transfer. Like, it's a bad look, I think. Tom may be on the way out. I feel like he's about to have an absolutely horrible season where he gets trampled on in a really strong SEC, um, and I wouldn't be sad to see it at all. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It's a weird, it's a
0: weird thing, and you you rarely see like for those who didn't see the quote, he essentially just was like, oh, he doesn't fit what a Georgia basketball player is, and I'm glad he's gone, which is – I mean, that's pretty much what he said. But it was like, that is extremely un- – like, you look at – you just don't say that. Like, it doesn't matter what level you're in. If you're Peewee, if you're a Peewee coach and, like, a player leads, you don't, like, tell everybody, like, oh, we had a horrible attitude, like, I'm glad he's gone, like, good riddance. I'm going to deal with all my walk-ons and we're going to ball out in the SEC. Like, no. Like, this guy was one of your best players and you you have to, if you're a college basketball coach, you can't just diss the recruits. Like, it it's just ridiculous. You look at players that were literally kicked off of a Bruce Pearl-led team and he still says, you know, good luck wherever they go and all that. Even if you don't mean anything that you're saying, you have to say that. You can't just be like, how Tom Crean is handling this situation.
1: Well, you can say good luck without saying, oh, he's a high character guy. You know what I'm saying? Which we don't know. Uh, We don't know him. We don't know the situation. So we're not going to comment on his character. Clearly, it can't be that bad. Or Bruce wouldn't take him in um, at this point. Uh, It's not like when Bruce first got to Auburn and he was taken, you know, a little bit rougher. You know, the cream canty situation but typically the fan base knows like without the coach saying like when Kareem Canty got kicked off the team like no one was surprised that that happened you know what I'm saying so I I just don't understand it It hurts your recruiting and it it doesn't help you at all like there is no positive to Tom Crean saying that I was really surprised that he came out and said that
0: yeah I totally agree and you know i Seeing Georgia fans react to K.D. Johnson was kind of just the last nail in the coffin for them, and their—I mean—their basketball program is just in a horrible, horrible place right now. Uh, but K.D. Johnson would definitely be a great, a great addition for Auburn, and then kind of the, a name that has been talked about uh, around Auburn fans for a long time. You've got Scoot Henderson, uh, who is a 6'3", 180 and eighty-pound point guard from Marietta, Georgia. I mean. Fantastic player, five-star, 12th in the country. I think he's the number two or three point guard in the country. I mean, fantastic player, class of 2022, but everyone has kind of thought that he would reclassify for a while. Uh, He's announcing on Friday what his future holds, and pretty much everyone is saying if he goes to college, he's going to Auburn. But the issue is the G League is alive and well in this recruitment, which is the one place that Auburn fans do not want to be fighting over a recruit after the whole Jalen Green situation. But you've got Scoot, and so either, what are your kind of thoughts about all the all the situation
1: going on with Scoot Henderson? This situation smells like the G League. It looks like the G League. It smells everything. This literally is – I would be absolutely dumbfounded if the guy doesn't go to the G League. I mean, I would be honestly more shocked that he doesn't go to the G League than I would have been if Sharif was coming back. There is, I would give it maybe a 1% chance that he's not going to the G League. So, no, good luck to him in the G League. At least I won't have my heart ripped out like it was with the Jalen Green situation because I'd never seen the G League thing happen. So I feel like it was much more difficult to, like, think that somebody would actually do it. Um, But now that you kind of see the pattern of how a guy is when they're going to go to the G League, um, yeah, this has G League written all over it. Also, what do you think about the rumors of JT wanting to go overseas if the NBA doesn't work out? I I personally think that's –
0: I don't think it's a smart decision for him because I think that you're going to see – I think that playing overseas, people are not going to see it in the same light as playing in college, especially if he goes there and he makes the jump that we all kind of expect him to. And it's like, oh, well, if he's averaging 30 points, 12 rebounds, and five blocks in Lithuania, but it's like you look what he was doing in Auburn, it was like he was good, but he wasn't that good. But it's like I feel like that people might discount what he, the development that he had from year one to year two. Just because the competition takes us uh, a back seat. that's kind of my thought process
1: about that. And then I'm not exactly sure. Can he go to? The, can you go to the G League after you've gone? Like, can you do a year of college and then go to the G League? You, you can't. Oh, one go of the teams, like, the... not the. I know, like, you can get drafted and get put in the G League, but can you go play like for the team that Jalen Green went and played for? You think? I do not think so.
0: I'll have to look into that, but I'm pretty sure that it's I'm pretty sure that the the whole G League Ignite team cuz it's weird it's not like it's a part of the G League but at the same time it's not. And that's why they have the exception to why like cuz players
1: for Ignite can get drafted.
0: So that's, that's what I'm saying
1: cuz it's almost like an AAU adult situation that pretty plays much, against yes. G League teams but isn't affiliated with a certain team. It'd almost be like if you had a minor league baseball team that didn't have a major league affiliate. Yes. That's, I mean, the best way to, for those who are more familiar with the baseball farm system.
0: Exactly. So it'd be like a player leaving Auburn early and going to play for some random affiliate and just hoping to get better there. Exactly. So, but, you know, kind of adding on what you said with the, uh, how the, Scoot Henderson situation smells of the G League it the fact that Jaden Hardy and for those that don't know he is the number three player in the country the number one combo guard which is the exact ranking that uh, Jalen Green had on 24-7 he went to the he committed to the G League on May 15th and if you remember it was kind of a, a domino effect it was like once players started going to G League Ignite it was like other players like kind of started joining in and you know kind of making their team there but i i definitely i think personally i think that henderson will go to the g league uh but i will say it doesn't it doesn't hurt as much because and also because of the fact that he has not been he is not nearly as active on social media as Jalen green was like Jalen green was posting five things every day like oh, Auburn's great, Memphis is great, Auburn's great, Memphis is great, and never really talked about the G League. But it was like people close to him were like, oh, yeah, the G League's an option and all that. Then he was doing all this stuff, drew his commitment out, like, really, really far, and then it was like everyone kind of knew, like, going in, like, okay, he's going to go to the G League. But it had been a super long whole thing that just drew it all out, whereas Henderson hasn't really been super vocal – And it's kind of been Auburn's race to lose with colleges. And so it looks like Auburn's done a good job with not getting beat out by colleges, but it looks like the G League coming in with a $500,000 check is going to beat Bruce offering him to go to school for free and play in college. So that's kind of the basketball situation. But Scoot Henderson will commit on Friday to either the G League or Auburn. Most likely the G League, in our opinion. Uh, I think again, KD Johnson will be committing on Wednesday, and we're hopeful for him. We're going to be watching that one pretty close. So let's kind of move to the football arena, and you you've got you have a decent amount of people were kind of transferring out, which is fairly common. I mean, after you know after a spring, you know, usually players know where they sit on the roster, and then some players are going to get out, some players want to stay. All that, but so I believe, and I'm gonna trying to spitball this. You've got Khalil Garnett, Jaden Handy, uh, Jay Hardy, uh, and Chris Thompson were the four the four ones that I can think of that left. Is there anyone I'm? Oh, and uh, Kamal uh, Kamal Hayden. So that was five. Am I missing out on anyone? Not that I can remember. All right, so let's let's just talk about uh, those guys real quick. We either what were your kind of thoughts? about those guys you know you've got the two two defensive linemen Jay Hardy and Jaden Handy were both you know they were both kind of highly rated out of high school both four stars uh Khalil Garnett was a I mean he was the four string quarterback so that one doesn't really sting that much Chris Thompson was projected to be the starting safety that one kind of hurt and then uh, Kamal Hayden was a Juco transfer that had never actually played a game at Auburn so either what were your kind of thoughts about those five guys
1: uh, yeah, I think so. At first, that obviously, uh, losing one of your potential starters at safety um, seems like kind of a big loss. Um, I'm really high though on the uh, what's his uh, Kaufman? Is it Donovan Kaufman? Donovan, Donovan Kaufman, yeah, yep. So just kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Um, but he played at Vanderbilt. Um, Super solid safety. Probably the best player on Vanderbilt's football team last year. Um, he was a freshman. He'd have four years left of eligibility. Um, apparently, here he and Derek Mason have a really good relationship. Um, I think he's announced – is he announcing this week? Isn't he announcing like – He's announcing soon, yeah. Maybe uh, he's announcing like, like Wednesday? I think he is. So, Wednesday could potentially be a pretty big day for – Auburn Athletics um, in the transfer portal. Um, So, uh, I mean, having him, I don't want to say that he's a done deal, um, but I feel pretty confident about the fact that he's going to come. Also, the secondary was already pretty deep, um, so not a huge loss there. Defensive line, uh, losing them, it's never good to lose two guys on your defensive line. Um, especially as thin as the defensive line at Auburn is this year. Um, but I did not expect either one of them to be game changing contributors this season. Um, it sounded to me like there might have been some kind of discipline issue um, because there was a lot of tweeting on social media before the before they missed the eight a game, um, talking about how much they loved Auburn, how much they loved the coaching staff. All of a sudden, they aren't at a day. Things go silent on social media. They say they're transferring. People say sounds like a discipline issue. They get really defensive. It just kind of smells to me like I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know if it was attitudes. I don't know if it was actions. It, heck, it it might not be any of those things, but just looking at it from the outside, it definitely looks like they did something basically, and. Who knows if in another year um, Harson would let it slide um, or if he's just trying to be, like, super hard-nosed by the book. Um, He seems to be that way anyway. Um, Probably didn't give a lot of slack, especially this year. Um, So I kind of feel bad for them because they definitely both seem like they enjoyed Auburn, um, but – yeah best of luck to them i don't think it's gonna make or break auburn season whether or not they're there i think that auburn can get some defensive linemen out of the portal that are just as good yeah and that that we can kind of
0: transition into that we landed uh tony fair from uab defensive tackle massive massive player six three three forty five uh so that was kind of one of the first pickups and then right pretty much right after you got by Darius Knighton from Southeast Missouri State who was a just an absolute tackle machine over there uh at SEMO. So either what were your kind of what were your initial thoughts about the
1: commitment of those two guys? Yeah, I mean Tony Fair definitely has uh the size to play in the SEC. Um just, you know, talking to people that watch a lot of UAB football um up here in Birmingham say that he's almost he's really, really good when he wants to be, but he takes a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of play, he takes plays off. Mm-hmm. Um they said that it's kind of like you know, those guys who are on last chance you who like they have all of the talent in the world, but then like they just decide on a play like, oh, this play doesn't matter. I'm just gonna you know, not go as hard. And I mean, you can't do that in football. If you ever take a playoff, I mean, you're going to get blown up and it's going to show that you took a playoff. Um, So maybe, you know, a change of scenery, um, another year of maturity, uh, he'll grow up a little bit. Maybe they'll be able to get through his head The NFL scouts. I mean, that's going to be one of your biggest turnoffs. If you're an NFL scout is uh, if guys are taking plays off, I mean, you can't trust them. You don't know especially in the NFL, if you're trying to make a roster, you can't be taking plays off because you're probably not going to get very many plays. Um, So excited for him. uh, I think especially if he's able to get uh, that motor up and he's able to really make his game a little more consistent, then he could be a really good pickup. Um, And then the guy from Southeast Missouri state, um, I mean, he made a lot of tackles and, at first, you know, you see Southeast Missouri State and you're like, seriously, we're picking up guys from Southeast Missouri State. But then you go and you watch the NFL draft and you see who the NFL picks up as free agents. And it's like, look, this is basically free agency. And in in, I mean, it's just like free agency in the NFL. And if the NFL is picking dudes up from these schools that were really good, then why colleges don't need to just overlook the fact that, hey, they didn't get any offers. It's almost, I think, going to be a way I think it's going to be tougher for guys to come out of these schools now with this one-time transfer rule to come out of these schools and go to the NFL because they're going to get bigger while they're at this school. They'll be the NFL size, and then they'll transfer to a school their junior or senior year. Um, And I I think that could be the situation that's kind of happening here. Um, So I think another diamond in the rough. I know people are getting tired of. The diamond in the rough talking. So, you know, if you get everybody out of the rough, yeah, I hope you eventually hit a diamond. But I thought there was a really interesting article um that Josh Vitale wrote talking about uh how Auburn had gotten, you know, all these four and five star players throughout the years, um, under Gus and Gene, and how a lot of them never even played, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's almost it it makes me think. Auburn's been playing with three stars with a couple of four stars mixed in for the past five years. We just haven't even noticed, you know, because on national signing day, the rankings look good and we're like, oh, awesome. Like we're recruiting well, but when you go and you retrospectively look back and see who was actually on the football field for Auburn, it typically wasn't the guys that were the headliners on national signing day. Daniel Thomas, last second guy, you know, I mean, Deshaun Davis, not exactly the highest recruited linebacker. Um, lots of guys, and I think that it's almost like Harson is embracing the fact that he's not just gonna chase stars, you know, he's looking at them, and if he looks at you and says, you know, I don't know that you're that great, and I gotta compete with LSU and Alabama for you. And I I mean you don't even grade out that high. Why would I do that when I can go get this three star that grades out well? And I'm competing against UAB Troy and I mean, maybe you know Mississippi State or Missouri or somebody for him. Um, so I think he's trying to pick his battles and you know try and win on some evaluations.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And just to kind of build on what you were saying, let's—I'm just going to read off the 2018 football recruiting class. All right, so this this class ranked 12th in the country, third in the SEC. So by all means, a successful class. Uh, the highest-rated guy, four-star Joey Gatewood. Transferred, never did anything for Auburn. Four star, Matthew Hill, transferred, never did anything good for Auburn. Four star, Coinas Miller, got kicked off or got kicked off the team. Is not at Auburn anymore. Did not start at Auburn at any point. Harold Joyner is most remembered for dropping a pass against Georgia. Transferred. Smoke Monday, still there. Starter, good guy, you know, all that. He was Anthony four shorts. Uh, Smoke Monday was four-stars, correct, yes. Uh, Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams, both four-stars. Both got drafted. Good pickups. I would say Uh, that they
1: graded out. So far, Smoke, Anthony, and Seth all graded out about four-stars, I would say.
0: Yes, I agree. And then right after him, Jacoby McClain, four-star, led the SEC in tackles last year. Good pickup. Right after him, four-star, Asa Martin. Transferred like four four times in one offseason after he left Auburn. Uh, right after him, four-star Jamie and Sherwood, you know, good pickup in the NFL. Four-star Christian Tut, And then this is where it gets a little interesting. Bad tale for
1: Christian. Really yeah, feel yeah. bad for Christian. He should have stayed. Yeah.
0: I agree. But right after him, you got four-star Michael Harris. Didn't really do anything for Auburn. Didn't he get for arrested for, like, He did for punching a getting, cop in
1: the face? Yeah, I thought so. That was – Yeah.
0: Right after him, another four-star, Richard Jabunor. Gib- he played linebacker, didn't really do anything for Auburn, transferred. Four-star, this was a JUCO guy, Daquan Newkirk. Didn't really do a whole lot for Auburn, transferred. Four-star,
1: Sean Shivers, you know, good, you know,
0: played for Auburn. He's
1: graded out a little bit lower than a four-star since he's been here. But but he Could still be determined has been – Solid, yes, story, and, solid player for Auburn. Yes, and he stayed on the team,
0: you know. Yes. Stayed on the team, put some highlight plays in, you know, good player. Uh, three-star, Shedrick Jackson. Hasn't done a whole lot, but he's still kind of young, can still play, you know. Then you've got three-star, Jaleel Arvin.
1: Did you just say still kind of young? He's a senior.
0: He re- Well, he redshirted, <laughs> though. He's okay. still got years of eligibility. Okay, <laughs> that that is that is my my <laughs> He's emphasis on still kind of young. Still has a couple years of eligibility on <laughs> Okay, three star Jaleel Irvin. I mean, now this is at the point when you're getting to the three stars. It's like, well, not that many of these guys uh, looking looking down. Uh, you've got is he Kobe. On the team? Yes, he played. I believe he started in place of. Uh, Brandon Council in the first game that Council missed this past season. Okay. Uh, then you've got Caleb Johnson. He ended up transferring. You've got Cameron Stutz. He's still there. Colby Fuca. He transferred. Roger McCreary. Great pick. I mean, th- th- this is the guy that was a guy that everyone liked, ranked 989th in the country, three star from Mobile, Alabama, and is going to be. An NFL player, he's going to get drafted
1: next year. This is but what Charlie uh, person's bringing in.
0: Yes, exactly. And so you 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 look at a guy like that, and he's like, he's going to jump at the Auburn offer. But if Auburn had not offered, he would have gone to he would have gone to South Alabama or Troy. You know, he would have gone somewhere like that. So that's the kind of guy that is a proof of a diamond in the rough. You know, kind of making an immediate impact in a class that was, you know, if you're looking at this class you're not seeing Roger McCreary and being like, okay, he's going to be one of the best players from this class. Like there were only two players that were ranked lower than him. And that was Josh Marsh who ended up transferring and Aaron Sipos, who is a punter. So.
1: <laughs> so that did not doesn't really, even
0: count. Yeah. It's not really the same, same thought process, but that's just kind of my thing. Like when you look at some of these classes, it's like, yeah, at the time it seems great, you know, yippee number 12 class, but it's like when the top, When four of the top five guys that were ranked the highest all transfer, and none of them – it's not like it was guys that balled out for two seasons at Auburn and then transferred. It's guys that never really did anything for Auburn. So, it's just that kind of thing. When you look at a recruiting class, it's like, you know, especially with Auburn, you just – That's
1: the thing. None of the guys that transferred went and balled out anywhere. Exactly. They were all just
0: yeah, I mean, I'm looking through. Joey Gatewood hasn't really done anything.
1: Joey couldn't even beat out
0: Little. a bad quarterback at Kentucky.
1: Their quarterback was horrible. He still couldn't yeah. beat him out.
0: Yeah, I mean, none of the players that transferred out of this class did anything at the next level.
1: Honestly, the most successful transfer out of Auburn has been Malik Willis. In recent memory,
0: him and I would say Calvin Ashley, too. Or not, uh, not Calvin Ashley, not. Not Calvin. Uh, not Calvin Ashley. I'm blanking on. I'm blanking on his name. Uh Byron Coward. That's who it was. I was thinking of a highly rated player that ended up transferring from Auburn.
1: but That's fair. He did make the NFL.
0: Yes. But he still went to, what, Florida Atlantic? I mean, yeah. he did not go to a big-time place. But regardless, that's just kind of the thing. It's like when you look at the recruiting classes and all that, just because you have the number 12 recruiting class in the country – does not mean that the best players in that class are going to be the team, are going to be the players that make your team good. So, but, uh, and then, you know, obviously we're still looking at Donovan Kaufman, trying to see what he does. Uh, Another guy, this is kind of the last thing before we wrap up, a name that I wanted to mention. Uh, Marcus Harris, uh, a defensive lineman from Can or playing at uh, Kansas University right now. He, you know, is a solid guy in the transfer portal. Auburn's looking at him from Montgomery, went to park crossing, you know, 6'2", 280, a little, you know, smaller than Tony Fair by a fairly large amount. But I think that that's a guy that we could definitely look to kind of replace, you know, add to Tony Fair to replace the two guys that departed. So I just think that that's kind of a name to watch. Uh, I think that he's a guy that would fit into the, uh, the three down lineman system really well.
1: Seven and a half tackles for loss in a shortened season. Pretty impressive, I would say. Well, especially for a guy, a defensive tackle. I mean, I know that Auburn fans
0: are kind of spoiled because we've had Derek Brown and Nick Fairley in recent memory, but defensive tackles really aren't supposed to do much except for clog running lanes and make it difficult for offenses to work. I mean, most people don't stuff the stat sheet and get drafted in the top five, you know? Yeah. So... That was just Um, kind of a name to to keep an eye on.
1: And then a couple more names. I know we're running out of time, um, but just to keep people uh, up to date, there was uh, Keyshawn Brown, uh, Texas A&M linebacker, former four-star. Word on the street is he's waiting on an Auburn offer, and if Auburn offers that, he is going to be a Tiger. Um, Not, I mean, linebacker, really not an area of need for Auburn. Um, That's why I bet the offer hasn't quite been uh, given yet because there are some other positions that need some offers, namely receiver and offensive line who there, you know, so far there have been no public targeting uh, of any receivers or offensive linemen, really receiver, um, I think, you know, just get somebody um, with a little bit of experience, that would be a nice addition um, and then there's one more. Oh, TJ Finley coming in from LSU potentially. Um, a lot of people think that Bo Nix needs competition. And if you think that TJ Finley is going to come in and beat out Bo Nix, then you're an idiot. Uh, he would definitely be better than Grant Loy. But I don't know if y'all remember when TJ Finley played Auburn last year. Not good. Not good at all, okay? He had a lot better receivers than Bo Nix, and he got absolutely walloped. He is not the option. He is, in fact, a better backup than Grant Loy, who is, and I don't want to be mean, one of the worst backups Auburn has ever had. I mean, I'm not kidding. If Bo Nix goes down this year, I mean, Grant Loy is not going to win a football game for Auburn, an SEC game for Auburn. The only way Grant Loy wins an SEC game for Auburn is if we pulled the 2013 Arkansas game plan and we throw the ball like eight times and we just run it with Tank and Sean Shivers. Grant, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You know it. I know it. It's not the solution. Yeah, but
0: uh, I do remember I this was something I saw on I saw on Instagram the other day you know, when all the stuff with TJ Finley was kind of coming out, this, uh an Instagram account, it's Tiger CFB, just posted a video of TJ Finley throwing an interception against Auburn. And uh one of the comments, I can't remember who it was, but someone commented and said, TJ Finley is a better QB than Bo Nix because he's 6'6". And it was literally something that I could see Auburn fans saying because people would just look at like, oh, he's big, like, Size wise, he's similar to Cam,
1: but it's like, guys, he's not Cam. And people think that Bo think... Nix is like just chilling back here because he has no competition. I, I mean, I, his was that a knock on Bo Nix that the guy didn't try hard enough, that he didn't care enough? Like, out of all of the players that Auburn's had at quarterback in recent years, that you could potentially say needs like a person to compete with to light a fire underneath him. I feel like Bo Nix would not be the one to say that to. Well, especially because
0: when he came in, there was a QB con- – uh, I mean, it was it was him or Joey Gatewood or Malik Willis. I mean, it was, it was you know, an actual QB battle. And for the people that say that he only starts because Patrick Nix was his – I mean, that's just the dumbest. Thing. I, p- people get put on the team because of who their dad was. They don't start because of who their dad was. Look at Shedrick Jackson, you know, like – he He doesn't start. He's related to Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson is much more Auburn royalty than Patrick Nix. I mean, Patrick Nix really didn't do. I mean, he statistically, Bo Nix is a lot better than Patrick Nix was. I mean, like the, he he's uh, the fact that there are Auburn fans that believe that just is mind boggling You don't get a
1: five star rating. You don't go to the elite eleven because your dad is Patrick Nix. I'm sure he's a great guy and a great. You don't get recruited by Urban Meyer because your dad was Patrick Nix. Not a good, not a great. I mean, not a great enough football player to even. He didn't go to the NFL. He didn't. I don't even think he made it to the Canadian League. I mean, we people need to chill out. TJ Finley couldn't beat out Miles Brennan. Y'all, Miles Brennan lost to Mississippi State. Okay, he looked bad against Mississippi State. TJ Finley threw interceptions like it was going out of style when he played Auburn. Multiple pick sixes. He was just standing there waiting to get sacked. He made the Auburn defensive line look like it had life again. Oh, no. That was was a fun game, I will say. That was a fun game to watch. Very fun game, but I don't want to watch that game in reverse in Baton Rouge because T.J. Finley is the starting quarterback.
0: But, yeah. But today... Uh, a quote from TJ Finley If I feel like I can beat Bo Nix out, then I'll go there and do what I have to do. So take That's about that like however you will.
1: Don't swing and miss twice. Hits the transfer portal the next day. Never sees the field. So, yeah.
0: We'll see how that, we'll see how that turns out. If TJ Finley comes to Auburn, I think it'll be an update, an upgrade from the backup QB. I think it would be, uh, a very much downgrade uh, if he's the starter, but that's just my opinion. I mean, who knows? He might show up and he might look like, I mean, he might look like Cam Newton, who knows, but I just don't think that would happen, but we'll see, but we'll keep you guys updated as always. You know, if TJ Finley or anyone else commits, we'll be sure to post about it and talk about it on the podcast um but yeah so next monday we'll have another episode out talk about all that happens hopefully we'll be able to talk about uh you know hopefully we can have you know katie johnson uh in an auburn uniform hopefully we'll have some other football guys and uh hopefully the the pain of scoot henderson going to the g league will not be too bad by next monday but we'll see you guys next week if you have any questions as always feel free to dm the page and Eagle, more eagle